This is Shane Gibson's social media podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today we're going to talk about crowdsourced policing and citizens policing one another using social media. This question was actually posed to me and actually uh, was asked to me by Kemp Edmonds, who heads up Hootsuite University with Hootsuite.com, which is a Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, WordPress management system that I use, that our organization uses, the number of my clients use. But I also know uh, Kemp on a personal level. And Kemp today at a barbecue on a Saturday afternoon said to me after these outrageous Vancouver riots where we had literally not hundreds, but I would say well over a thousand people pillaging the city and burning cars and lighting things on fire uh, of all types uh, and back-talking cops and getting hit with shields and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, In fact, I could hear percussion grenades, explosions, you name it, happening from the five blocks away where we live here in downtown Vancouver. Uh, Rest assured, the whole city is now spick and span. Uh, The retailers who uh, were ransacked are licking their wounds uh, and dealing with their insurance companies. But also, on a more positive note, many, many people have turned themselves in as a result of being posted on Facebook, Twitter, Flickr, YouTube, every other social media platform, because while many people are worried about Big Brother, uh, people realize something that, well, Steve Jagger and I have been talking about for a very long time, uh, right from before the days before we even published Sociable, and that is people are worried about Big Brother, and I'm worried about you. See, every audience I talk to when I'm doing my seminars, uh, you know, I'm saying we're worried about that one eyeball in the ceiling that the hotel has put in to monitor our event, but there are 200 people in the audience with you know, the capacity to record video and take photos and upload them to the internet instantly for free and have it hyper-searchable, aggregatable, and instant. And so Kemp asked me, he says, what do you think of, and again, he didn't display his opinion. Actually, I think I spent too long talking. I should probably go back and ask Kemp his opinion. But he asked me, uh, what do you think of this crowdsourced policing where citizens are now monitoring one another. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. For Actually, for every one person committing a crime during the riots, I swear there was 10 people taking photos of them and putting it up on the Internet. They just stood there with their jaws dropped in awe taking these photos. They weren't participating or encouraging the riot, but they were documenting the whole thing. And so is that where we want to live in a society where everything we do is documented by other people and shared on the web? We'll have a couple of opinions. Number one, uh, rule number seven in our rules of engagement for social media in Sociable, Steve and I talked about the fact that we have to be authentic. Why do we have to be authentic? Because we don't have a choice. The truth will be known. This is regardless if we're a company a citizen, a police officer, or a bandit who's throwing something through the window of a store or lighting a police car on fire. The reality is the truth will be known, that everything is being captured, published, and tweeted. And so I'm going to go back to number one. The number first number one premise is if you don't want it on the Internet, don't do it. That's it. It's a really simple rule. This goes for a retail company or a restaurant that has great advertising, says fantastic things, but as you walk by their kitchen, you see they're breaking health laws. You take a photo and put it on the internet. Guess what? It doesn't matter how nice the front of your store looks. People are going to 
find and take pictures and post information on what the back end really looks like. The same goes to the way we treat our customers and our internal business culture. That, too, will be shared with the web. Now, so I'm not surprised that there were hundreds of people taking photos. What I was surprised about is there was people that are actually stupid enough to do things in public and have photos taken and have them published to the Internet because it is a very, very straightforward concept. Everyone is recording everything from the obscene to the mundane to the boring to the obscure, and they're posting it to the web. And there's not one or two people per block. There are hundreds of people on every block who are willing to do this. So, of course, this can work really well for a brand that does great things. This can do work really well for a citizen who's a hero, like the young guy who stood in front of a, with a hockey stick in a store window screaming at people, and it wasn't even his store, but stopping people from ransacking it. And so... Again, positive or negative is going to get on the web. Now, the other part of crowdsourced policing is is a crowd or a mob jury where I take a picture of someone, I post it on Facebook, and I talk about how guilty and awful they are based upon the photo that's been taken of them, but it might be out of context. Well, you know what? This is something that's been around well before social media. How many times have people's lives been ruined uh, by being at the wrong place in the wrong time and a journalist snapping a photo and then publishing that information without fact-checking or with an opinion or a vendetta or not really thinking of the context. So I'm going to say that the only difference is now we don't have to worry about four or five journalists and then, of course, the individual who vets their stuff, many of it which hits the cutting room floor. Today, nothing hits the cutting room floor. Now, on a positive note, uh, Chief of Police of Vancouver talked about the fact that every photo that was submitted that looked like it was suggesting that someone broke a crime had an individual file number. Scary, which means some officer has to follow up each of these things and will eventually make the judgment call along with the Crown Prosecutor whether or not it's going to warrant the government's efforts to take it to trial. Is there enough evidence here to convict based upon a photograph or series of photographs as well as you know first-hand information? So yes, in the jury of the public, in the public's eyes, some of these people may be, uh, on a prejudicial level, found to be guilty, uh, but not legally found to be guilty, okay? So from a reputation perspective. So I guess a couple of lessons here. One of them is if someone's taken of a photo of you and you know you were down there and nothing went wrong, be the first one to break the news. In other words, do a blog post, publish the photo yourself, explain what the heck was going on, and begin to defend yourself in advance, just like I would give an advice to a client uh, who something has gone wrong within their brand and it could potentially be leaked and taken out of context. My advice to them is don't hide it, don't delete, but break the news first. Now, on the other side, and I guess this is a message for all those people who I've seen, friends of mine who have been posting pictures uh, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, other citizens in Vancouver saying, hey, this guy must be guilty. Look, he's standing beside a building car or he's screaming and yelling or he, he's got his shirt off and he looks like a maniac. You know what? Don't take those photos out of context either. And I guess what I hope when I say, you know, what do you think of crowdsourced policing? I also hope that the average person viewing these photos, which I know is a big hope, is intelligent enough to step back and say, what was the context of this photo being taken? And also realize that there will to be due process before anybody is charged and convicted of anything based upon a few photographs. Now, with that said, you are also guilty by association. 
This includes, from a social media perspective, not just the photos taken of you, but just who you associate with online, who you interact with, who posts comments on your Facebook wall. And the same will hold true for who you're seeing standing next to in a mob or riot situation when really you should have been getting home or walking home much, much sooner and not reveling around and staring at that train wreck of an event. So I guess my long rant, and I'm sure some people have some opinions on this, and I hope I haven't offended anybody, but you know what? At the end of the day, there is no privacy, especially in a public area walking down the street. I don't like it that much. I mean, I I often joke in my seminars that I'm better behaved now than I ever have been in my entire life, but there's an absolute truth to this, that in the past... We could have a live a life of duplicity where we're one way at home and one way in public, where we're one way with clients and one other way with friends, or one way during the week and another way on the weekend, or one way in Canada and another way when we're off in holiday in Japan or Thailand or Germany or whatever. But the reality is, is that the social web has closed the gap. There is no such thing as distance, and there is no such thing as privacy. And so, at the end of the day, if you don't want, if you're not proud of what you're doing to a level where you don't want to publish on the internet, then maybe you've got to take a look at your behavior. So again, there is now, if you're proud of it, but public opinion says that maybe they don't like it, you know what, if you're comfortable with that and it's your brand, who cares? You know what, there's enough people that are going to resonate with you out there. Now with that said, if it doesn't sit well with you, if you don't want it to be exposed, then you know what, maybe when we talk about authenticity, we have to work a little bit on ourselves or our brand or our behavior. So there's my thoughts. Not too excited about crowdsourced policing myself, knowing the fact that anybody can snap a photo at any moment. But with that awareness, as an individual or as a company, we've just got to start to really look at that key rule of engagement, authenticity, and make sure that our behavior in public is consistent uh, on a regular basis with who we are. And if we're not comfortable with who we are, stop being that way. Work on it. Change it. But don't blame the crowd that's taking photos of you when you break the law or you do something unacceptable, unethical, or offside. So those are my thoughts. Uh, I also don't believe, by the way, as, a, as again, a final sidebar, be careful what you see on the web. Just because a photo has been posted, it doesn't mean anything. Do some research. Make sure you understand the context of what's happened, just like those police officers are going to have to do when they go through each of those individual files and see if that evidence, in fact, will stand up to really uh, guilty uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. So this is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. If you're looking for a social media speaker for your next conference, you can email me, shane at socialize.me. If you're looking to give me some feedback on this, you can always comment on this blog at closingbigger.net or, of course, tweet me at Shane Gibson.